So we mentioned at the beginning the importance of conversion rates. Conversion rates go through the roof when you add social proof because it's the same psychology as when you're looking at the Google My Business three-pack. You're trying to validate your decision based on what other people say. We all do it. We do it with every purchasing decision. Hey, you know, husband or wife, hey, honey, what do you think of this purchase? We're trying to validate our decision based on what other people say. So when we take that social proof and you put that on your website, you can validate the visitor's decisions before they even make the decision. So your conversion rate, how many customers click on call me or, or lead request goes up and therefore you get more sales. Welcome to the Home Service Expert, where each week, Tommy chats with world-class entrepreneurs and experts in various fields like marketing, sales, hiring, and leadership to find out what's really behind their success in business. Now, your host, the Home Service Millionaire, Tommy Mello. Welcome back to the Home Service Expert. I'm Tommy Mello. This is a special guest. He's a CEO of an awesome company. He's an expert in marketing strategy, window cleaning, reputation marketing, digital marketing and entrepreneurship based out of Vancouver, Canada. He's the Nice Job Incorporated founder and CEO. He started in 2015 and he's still doing it. Windowcleaning.com, founder and CEO from 2010 to 2018. That is an awesome domain. Hatch founder and CEO from 2014 to 2017. And uh, Strom, I believe. It's uh, co-founder and CEO from 2000 to 2015. Lars Christensen is the uh, entrepreneur marketer and the co and the founder. I'm sorry, and CEO of Nice Job, a company that specializes in reputation marketing for small businesses. He was also the founder of WindowCleaning.com North America's premier network of window cleaners, serving more than 900 locations, and Stroma Digital Ad Agency, delivering results for major brands worldwide like Samsung. The NFL, Nestle, and Danone. Danone, yeah. You've never had Danone water? Is it Danone? It Canadian. I think it might be a Canadian thing. It sounded like you said founder a whole lot in that intro. Yeah. Well, it did. You're, you're the co-founder mm. of the founder of Hatch, the founder of Window Cleaning. Is that? Mm. Yeah, 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 but it was just a lot of founding <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Hey, that's cool, man. So tell us all about yourself. You seem like a busy guy. You're out of Canada. Vancouver is a cool spot. I've heard amazing things. Tell us all about you. Yeah, Vancouver is a great spot. Uh, you should come visit. It's, uh, yeah, well. it's gorgeous. Good spot to found a company, too. Yeah, it's uh, it's a great tech scene in Vancouver. A lot of cool companies starting there right now. I think you, you covered the main point. You know, I went through a few different entrepreneur cycles here. My actual first starting point, I had a garbage collection company when I was like 16. So that was a good intro to, to the, the service world. Uh, had business cards that said 10 years of dependability because I've been collecting garbage since I was six. Reputation, you know, even when you're, you're, you're starting out, it matters. So yeah, and then went on to other things like Strom and, and Nice Job now. But what I'm most excited about chatting with you, Tommy, about is this digital marketing and nice job and uh, reputation and, and how service companies can use their, their best asset to grow their business, their reputation. You know, most people don't know this, Lars, but I started a reputation management company in 2012, and it was called My Best Business Reviews. Really? I had no idea that you were in the reviews business in 12. Well, That's, this, yeah, cool. I was in and then um, actually my developers ripped me off. I won it, a good case against them in a lawsuit, but the lawyer fees exceeded the winnings. So, mm. But the way it worked is you, um, I built a gating system and back then it wasn't called gating. It was just, it would text out through uh, the back end and it was built in Twilio. So we'd fire off a text and then I used Best Spinner to take the answers in the survey and spin a different review with the keywords in it. So it was pretty, pretty sweet. And then from there, you could take your whole database and do text and email blasts. But you know what the hardest thing is, and I'm sure you've learned about this, is getting good developers. It's kind of like getting 
someone to build a house and making sure it's on time and it works correctly. It's not an easy thing, especially with all these API, you know, these integrations. And now you've got um, just all these complications. This new code is getting developed all the time. And um, thank God for uh, Zapier. Zapier is pretty cool. So why don't you tell me a little bit about, I know all about Nice Job, but why don't you introduce it to the audience here? Well, I, th I think I think it's really interesting that you started with Reputation in 2012. So back in you know 2012, Reputation World was pretty different. It's amazing how things have changed, but but fundamentally still the same. You know, my my first company, the Garbage Pickup, we worked in a, grew up in a tiny little farm town in, in central British Columbia, and we went and picked up uh, rural neighborhood garbage, but it was all word of mouth. You know, you, you do a good job and they tell it their neighbor and their neighbor tells their neighbor. And eventually people know you as somebody who's reliable, trustworthy, who's going to do what they say. And eventually the name that you build for yourself becomes more valuable than the business that you've built. And that name is what keeps propelling you forward and, and keeps growing your business. So word of mouth, you know, cornerstone of most service businesses for the last 2000 years <laughs> but now word of mouth has just moved online and i think that's that's the really cool part word of mouth is actually more powerful than ever now it's just we've changed the forum where it's being communicated instead of knocking on your neighbor's door and sitting down for a coffee and saying you know i had joe window cleaner over now you're chatting with them on facebook and when you say i had joe window cleaning cleaner over and now a hundred other people see that word of mouth online and can respond to it. So reputation, I feel, has been amplified. You look at the last 10 years, it's just taken your repu reputation from being a small thing in, in somewhat of a silo and expose it to the entire world. So where reputation might have been something that you could optionally keep to yourself and hide 10 years ago, as we move forward into the 2020s here, uh, it's going to be amplified to a degree that uh, companies that don't focus on reputation will have an extremely hard time trying to keep up. Yeah, you know, they've had Yelp out. Yelp is huge because Yelp ranks good on Google. Google's good, but I don't like Google's filter. I don't like Yelp's filter because quite honestly, I've been to their Scottsdale location. I've been to their San Francisco location. I've been inside of it. I've drank the beer out of their taps. I played ping pong. I played games up there. I'm pretty familiar with Thumbtack. They wanted me to come speak at some point here pre-COVID. I like Nextdoor. I think Nextdoor is a pretty cool thing that came out of nowhere, and they actually got real verification, and people are interested that are verified. Uh, Angie's List is, is okay. Obviously, it's a little bit different now that HomeAdvisor owns it. It was very powerful for a while when it was a closed network. Talk to me a little bit about what sites are the best and why. I'm a big fan of getting 10,000 citation sites for every one of my Google My Business pages. But tell me a little bit about what you think is the next few years of reputation management. Elephant in the room, you know, Google has to be right there. You know, discoverability. Reputation's only as good as how many people see it. Google has discoverability, uh, Nick, because you search on Google and let me try a screen share here. Is this, yeah, is, this is a really this is a, that the Google Guarantee Program, the LSA. Yeah, yeah. We go should ahead. chat about LSA. Yeah, there we go. Okay, yeah. I, I did. I just did a search garage door Seattle. I just chose a random search here, and, and this is the discoverability portion here. Like Google has has changed changed the game, and and we can chat a little bit about the SEO portion of this too. But so. Any search now on Google, uh, your top of page, unfortunately, this one does not have LSA, but we'll do another one that does. You've got your, your Google ads listings, usually three of them top of page. When you talk overall real estate on this page, we're talking around 60% plus of the real estate right now is just your ads. You scroll down, you've got your local snack pack and Right off the bat, uh, you're exposing social proof, you're exposing your reviews, your reputation as the primary deciding factor on where to click. You go through this snack pack, and that is your primary factor on which one you're going to click through 
is the reviews and the reputation. So we take a look at, you know, an example of, of this particular search. Where are you going to click? You you know, have, it, the, uh, the majority is elite going to be on this one. Yep. 160 reviews, 4.9 rating. Dan's is doing great. 33, five-star, solid up-and-comer, but honestly, 160, I'm, I'm going with elite. And that's how, how simple the decision-making has become for the majority of consumers. It's a Google search followed by a local three-pack listing and a single click and a point of sale, which calls into question everything that follows and the, the importance, validity of it. But that's the discoverability factor that Google's killing it on. And uh, super hard to compete with that for Yelp, Angie's List, Thumbtack, et cetera. Okay, there's a lot of things here. First of all, let's talk about a few things here because I want to educate the audience. This is what's popping up right now. Is uh, and I'm going to read this for those that can't read it, but they're allowing set max bids for the LSA ads. So they're turning it into a pay-per-click model, which we knew they were going to do. Uh, they've already done it in the lawyers and stuff like that. So that's what's coming out. Now it's happened to me. And then you've got your pay-per-click ads, which are going to be in the home service space, I believe, a dying breed, because there's no guarantee of the real review. There's no guarantee of the real following of Google's throwing this other thing out. So there's four algorithms, so they could pull one out, uh, which I believe is pay-per-click. Now, I hope that Google doesn't start charging everybody, the small mom and pops, that's not fair to take out the GMB ads. Because that would be kind of a monopolistic play. And I don't think the government would allow that. I just don't think it's fair because they are at that point a monopoly. But I still receive most of my business through organic, believe it or not. I don't know how, but I think what happens is as you're doing your research on a company, sometimes you scroll down and you want to look at articles on their website and you search for them. And it depends on how you're branded. If you're straight into lead generation, if that's all you're going for, then have a lot of locations that just GMBs. But if you want to get a click-through rate of people to search your company, then they start searching and scrolling down organically. I don't know what your philosophy is on that, Lars. Yeah, how many locations you got, Tommy? We're in 14 states. I think now there's 22 locations. Yeah, and I think that highlights the difference right there. You're killing it on SEO because you ran it as a branding play on a large enterprise. If we take your typical single owner, a uh, single location, the amount of time, money, and effort required to drive a quantity of organic traffic that's going to move the needle will be you know, extremely hard, if not impossible, to do in a cost-effective way compared to LSA. You could gamble and try, but nine out of 10 guys, uh, 12 or 24 months in, are going to be far behind the ball as if they just invest that same money in LSA. Just because for the simple logistics, for you to move up one spot, somebody else has to move down one spot. So you know, if you're in a major center, you can quickly take a look at the competitors that have to move down, move up, find out who's got the most exposure and what kind of catch-up game you have to play and then take a rough stab at how much money it's going to take to play that catch-up game. And then factor in the fact that that money is money on the table until the lead comes in. So you're not getting any return on that for a significant period of months versus LSA ads, you know, you're getting a return tomorrow. Yeah, it's a hard play if you're a single location on the SEO. You know what I would recommend if I was a small location starting up, First thing I would do is find a city that might not be d dead city center of Phoenix. I'd probably look at a little honey hole that no one's really attacked. Maybe an area that's more homes, not as much businesses. And I would start, I'd find the only small office that I could put a sign up and I would put a nice sign up and be local to that community. You got to find a niche when you're a small business. That's my philosophy. You got to work the night hours when everyone else is working the morning hours or the afternoon because. At night, the PPC is cheaper. Everybody that's looking for somebody is not. All the biggest companies, they have a hard time getting night shifts. But when you're small, you say, guys, we're just going to specialize at night and I'm going to get you guys 
more leads without any traffic and you make it a good thing and you pay them a little bit more. There's so many things we're going to talk about. Let's talk a little bit more about digital marketing because I'm a big fan of traditional marketing to complement digital marketing. See, digital gets the, they get all the credit for the traditional marketing. Like if you're doing TV, radio, billboards, Google's going to get credit most of the time and Bing and Facebook. Facebook, not so much because Facebook's more about an education thing. So tell me your philosophy about the analytics, the data, and digital marketing. Yeah, it's a pretty broad question, but uh, I'm actually with you. I feel like the two need to complement each other. And I lived for a little while in Central America, and there was this whole thing going on where if one guy sold coconuts on the side of the road, uh, 15 other guys would sell coconuts beside them on the side of the road. So, you know, it's just not an effective strategy. So digital marketing, you've got to find a way to stand out. Your suggestion was was great, you know, finding a niche there where you can stand out. But then you also need to measure it. So we do it with other aspects of our business. We measure what it costs to run our trucks on the road. We measure what we cost to pay our crews, what a customer is bringing us in terms of revenue, what the ROI on that is, where we can increase efficiencies on that. And then we go and put a Google ad up and we don't know our conversion rate. We don't know our traffic sources. We don't know our click-through rate. We don't know our ad quality score, but yeah, we feel like it's an okay investment. So when it comes to digital marketing, we've got to measure those same metrics that we would in anything else and pay attention to them. So, you know, let's, let's use the Google ads example because it's a, it's a pretty common one. I think a lot of people have run or, or are running it knowing your conversion rate, your true conversion rate on your website is as important as optimizing your Google ads and at times much more important than optimizing your Google ads. Because you could be spending $1,000 a month on Google ads with a 2% conversion rate on your website. And by increasing that conversion rate by 1%, it's equivalent to spending $500 more on Google ads that month. So you can find out the number that matters the most that you can work on optimizing. So I think the key takeaway there is if you're going to run digital marketing in a paid or organic sense, you have to know your numbers. You've got to be tracking what people are doing, where they're doing it, and then try to figure out which is the number that matters the most that I need to work on to be able to increase my results. You know, that's a great point. And I hope the listeners are understanding that the copy and the view that you, they get when they land on your website, so the time on page, the click-through rate, but I've literally talked to SEO experts, guys that um, are way above my pay grade. And by changing one word in the mega tags or whatever, meta tags, the metadata, like literally changing certain things, increase the conversion rate by 30% by changing where the phone number is at. By changing it, the mobile optimization has been, you know, mobile get. And I think we've been talking about this for six or seven years now. But it's interesting to see that some people still have not gone and make the changes they need. You know, what's crazy is a website, windowcleaning.com, 900 locations. I'm just curious. I know we're not going to talk a ton about that, but it's just pretty cool to me to just kind of hear, hear that story. I'd really just want to share it with the audience too. It's just on here. I know you got a lot of experience. I mean, from 2010, that's, that's a hell of a website, window cleaning. No, it was it was part of the, kind of the journey to where we are now. Is so I I started an ad agency in Toronto. That was the Strom ad agency, uh, which is my mother's maiden name. It means power in German, but it's a uh, yeah Norwegian background. So, anyways, yeah, started that ag- agency in Toronto, and we worked with all these blue chips. You know, like you know, sports organizations did a lot with the NFL, NHL, and it was traditional marketing. It was all about invest in your ad agency, who cares about the customers, not who cares, but, you know, secondary thought, uh, we're going to get results. If we pay the right person, the right amount of money, you know, that's going to drive results. And I really felt like it should be based on, you know, if you invest in your customers, you can build a reputation and you can use your reputation to drive your, your growth. And that's where windowcleaning.com came from. Wanted to vet the idea in a real world scenario so I acquired a domain name that was very attractive from a digital marketing point of view. And we started launching franchises where 
you could get the entire marketing bundle and strategy and reputation marketing software to power your company and and use that to grow, you know, entirely powered off word of mouth and reputation. It worked really well. Yeah, we, we grew to three and a half years. We were servicing over 900 locations in the U.S. So it was a, a good validation of it. But that's where Nice Job came from. You know, this idea where we can take our customers and use them as the voice piece of our company if we invest in them. So, you know, back to that whole thing about reputation, investing in your customers. If you can turn your customers into vocal advocates, that is going to be your highest way of growing your company for the least amount of money, because every one of your customers is going to bring you one more. So that's that's kind of the, the golden ticket. And that's what Nice Job's all about, uh, helping enabling companies to do just that. I think some people have got a little confused because me and you might have been talking German there. Just about LSA, I just want to go through one quick thing. Here's the facts, guys. Google runs four algorithms. The top one that he showed was pay-per-click. You're paying for play to be at the top. If your quality score is higher, which means Google deems you higher, that's going to put you at a cheaper rate. So Coca-Cola could pay less than Mountain Dew. So Mountain Dew might pay $1,000 to try to rank number one for Coca-Cola. And they could do that possibly, but the quality score matters. So that's why it's cheap to bid on our own keywords. That's why it's cheap. I could bid on other companies' keywords, which seems stupid to me that it's allowed but that's how google makes money and bing the next one is the lsa and that's the google guarantee program where google will guarantee you up to two thousand dollars that job will be completed to your satisfaction now the customer needs to jump through hoops to get that money back but google controls your account so they'll shut you down they've done it lots of times now but to be part of part of the google guarantee you need to have a background check on all your employees you need to have the owner background check. You need advanced verification for certain businesses, but they're going to verify that you're a legitimate business. And that's what Google Guarantee means. That's why they're really trying to start that platform. But then you got the GMB, Google My Business page. And I think that's what Lars is specialist in. And that's what, those are where the reviews come in. And it's very interesting how the Google Guarantee reviews and the GMB, the Google My Business reviews, which are two completely different entities kind of collaborate the reviews. And then you've got the organic section, which is everything else. Like for example, if you go to TommyMello.com, Tommy Mello, you'll have to scroll down. You'll see my LinkedIn profile. You'll see the podcast. You'll probably see A1 Garage Doors. So when you guys search, I say search my company, but I don't want you guys clicking on all my ads. So. <laughs> but hopefully- oh, that you did that on me. <laughs> so hopefully uh, that clears some stuff up because I know some people said they're lost. We will make this shareable right when we finish. Somebody mentioned billboard ads. I, I'm not a big fan. I'll explain. I've got 25 billboards up. And just real quick, Lars, why somebody asked this, I think we should, and we're going to talk plenty about reviews or where we're going to go back to, but everything else with direct response, you should make sure you're getting reviews. You should make sure you're educating your employees on how to get reviews. And software is great, but even on top of software is asking the customer, to leave a review from the technician, not necessarily the company. Because I want, I'll leave a review for a server, but I'm not going to leave it for the company. So a little bit there, we're going to talk about that. But I think you need to hit a threshold of key performance indicators of profitability to where your technicians are trained, your conversion rate's high, your average ticket hits a certain point. Then you jump up from a little bit of digital marketing, and then you're going to start to dabble and pay for SEO quite a bit more. You're going to start to pay for things not so direct response, more brand building. And then eventually when you hit a really good margin, your price right, your conversion rates there, your average tickets there, now you can start to pay for billboards, which are gonna help your click-through rate. They're gonna help you get customers in your conversion rate and your average ticket go up because they're loyal. They love you. They see you in your neighborhood. They've seen your billboards, there's trust. It's called subconscious thinking. The more my buddy Ken Goodrich spent on billboards and TV and radio, specifically radio and billboards, the cheaper his pay-per-click costs got because the click-through rate went through the roof and he only had a bid on his own keywords. So, Lars, I'm just trying to get yeah, back. I, I, like on the different types of marketing there, I think it's really important for the listeners to, to see the difference between 
marketing spend that's to drive leads and marketing spend that's to drive brand. Because there's a major distinction there, and you just hit on it with billboards, for example. You've got dollars that you can spend to uh, get a, a, an immediate cash back on them. This dollar is going to bring a customer onto your phone, and that's going to convert into a sale, and you're going to have money in your pocket tomorrow or next week. And then you've got ad dollars that are going to go into brand building. And when you spend ad dollars on brand building, that's amazing. That's the big game. But you have to have the budget to be able to do that effectively. And that's usually the later step when your business has started growing and scaling, where you can start putting that money into brand. And then measuring the brand money becomes exponentially more difficult. It's very easy to measure the lead money. You know, KPIs on lead money is super easy. If you're not measuring the lead money, well, that's the bench. You've got to be measuring the lead money. But the brand money, now you've got to start into getting into some more advanced metrics to try to see how is your brand money impacting every other part of your organization, retention, acquisition. But knowing what marketing efforts are for leads and what marketing efforts are for brand building, that's a great distinction. You know, that Lars, I love that explanation. And that's exactly the same way is how many people are searching out your brand versus searching out generic Rajdra Repair Phoenix versus A1 Grazdra service. And what I've learned, and if you listen to the original podcasts, I've not changed my mind. I just started making more money and investing it. So people type A1 Grazdra service versus Grazdra Repair Phoenix. Now, there's no way you're ever going to compete with, I mean, maybe you could, Kleenex has done it. <laughs> but unless you're a monster brand, like Procter & Gamble style, spending a fortune, you've got to do direct response. You've got to do this more of a lead gen side and then the branding side, you should be doing because it's gonna make all this stuff cheaper. You know what I've learned too is, is I gotta tell you, the people that search for me, they spend more money, I define my avatar, I market towards those avatars and, and you could get a lot more. Now billboards are tough, but you, at least you know, you know where the billboard is if it's in a nicer area, the eyeballs that are getting on it. But I wanna jump into the really, the crux of this podcast because you know I love reviews. And in a way, I, I'm very good because I've asked customers to leave me reviews. And at certain times, I'll ask for them while I'm there and say, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. If you're willing to take the time to go tell me how I did online, I'm willing to do this for you. Sometimes it's blow out the garage. Sometimes it's help you set up your Christmas tree. Sometimes it's, I've got this search protector. You can't pay people for reviews. So I want to be very clear. You cannot pay people to leave you a good review. But if they're willing to take the time to help you out, their time's worth something. And I want to hear, because reviews are the lifeblood of any company. It's going to be kind of cool. I'll share my old, my best business review stuff, because I think you dig it, Lars, because it was so long ago that I made this video. But tell me a little bit about reviews and how it helps with the Google My Business listings that we've been talking about. So on Google My Business, around 15% of your ranking on that algorithm Google decides who shows up in that three pack because there's three listings underneath the map there. Location obviously is is giant. So, you know, if you're doing that search and there's somebody who's right next door, they're going to have a huge location bias. So they're going to have a huge uptick in that. But around 15% of that ranking is reviews, which for an algorithm with hundreds of factors, 15% on one single factor is, is enormous from a numerical standpoint. So not only is it, you know, we already illustrated the click-through is a no-brainer. We know which one the customer is going to click on. We don't need to dive into that. They're going to click on the guy with the most reviews and the best rating. But visibility, that's driven as well. And it's not just how many reviews you have. It's uh, recency, relevancy, and velocity. So, you know, if you're getting a high velocity of reviews, that's going to trump someone getting low velocity. If you're getting reviews that are highly relevant to your company based on, you know, Google does contextual analysis of the, the text or of the search intent, that's going to help you as well. So bottom line is you can't just get yourself, you know, a thousand reviews and say, I've won, you know, this is where I'm at. I've won. I'll sit pretty, you know, I'm tucked in a thousand reviews. Those are going to deprecate over time. So you need to make it part of your system. 
And I think the biggest mistake when we were chatting, you, you said, what do companies need to do uh, for reviews? The biggest mistake we've seen is uh, leave it to chance. You would never leave revenue to chance. You know, no, no one says, okay, well, I'm, I'm just going to leave my revenue to chance and we'll see how we do this month. But reviews being the lifeblood of your business, you can't leave that to chance either. You, you need a system. You know, I just wrote system down. Systematize it. You've got to make it standard operating procedures. Systematize it. And there's nothing better, in my opinion, than technology to systematize it. One of the things I wanted to talk to you about is it's so much more valuable when you get your customers to write things like, I live in Gilbert, Arizona, and the guys came out and they did a garage door spring repair on my 15-year-old Amar garage door. That's what he meant by contextual is ask them. Some people need to be guided. You can't just say, I had a Moons Over Miami at Denny's and it was delicious. You want to have a story almost, a paragraph. Have them really share the experience from when I called in and I saw the advertising, I called in. Have them tell a story. The more you could get the customer to do, the better. And not to mention, when you take a picture, the newer phones, they automatically geotag. If you're in front of the garage door, the before and after, and that's just more relevancy for Google. So I would just say pictures. People love pictures. People speak volumes. People really love videos on Facebook. Videos go a long way. And I wanted to ask you a question. This is a selfish question because I've got an idea, but I don't know if it's going to work. But what would your idea be? Everybody's going virtual now. I go into a mattress store. They've got a camera. Someone greets me. They get in with a code. They're like, go ahead, lay around there, do your own thing. There's appointments given. And there's almost, there's still a human touch because I'm talking to somebody and you can see them on the monitor. But what is your take on that as far as, I know there's people that used to do multiple GMBs and they weren't real. And you know that it's been around for a decade now. But as far as real Google My Business locations, just not huge ones, but you've got a nice showroom and it could be for, I doubt it would be for window cleaning, but it would be for more people that are selling products. What's your take on that? On multiple GMBs? Multiple GMBs amongst one metro, like seven or eight, but you're not having human beings in there, but you're able to go in, the customer could go in and they could shop. And then we do a site check and it's a real company. It's a real brand. Yeah, you're going to get a huge uptick on, on Google My Business traffic because of the huge priority Google plays on, on location. The danger zone would be, is this a real location? You know, you have to make it. Yeah. Yeah. You wouldn't want to go into the area where you're spoofing a location that's just setting yourself up for, for a nasty slap by Google. It's just not worth it. But in, in terms of a real location, the traffic increase you'd get through Google My Business would be substantial because of the value that Google plays to location specific searches. Yeah. You think you have setting up satellite locations for A1? Like we've already set up like design centers. We actually have staff there. But I'm going, why would I have staff there for the very little traffic? But it's great for the, the Google My Business, but it's also great when a customer comes in. You should see our Scottsdale. I've got staff there, but I'm like, man, if I could automate this and have a nice camera, say, and then boom, it pops up. And there's always someone to talk to the customer and say, hey, welcome. How are you? You know, just so you know, we stepped out of the office. We're here on these days. So we're there really sometimes. But I definitely think that I think that I've got a few ideas. You know, being in this home service expert podcast, I've got to meet people across the country. And it's weird, Lars. Actually, I was thinking about this earlier. Is it seems like some of the smartest guys, like my buddy Lauren, and there's a lot of Laurens there in Canada, but there's all these guys that, that Danny Kerr. A lot of these guys in Canada are just, they're killing it. <laughs> and they're all doing business in the United States. It's great. It's nice to see you guys are smart guys and gals. We have long, cold winters. There's nothing else to do. <laughs> I should mention too, like we've, we've talked a ton about Google My Business. That came out number one. Facebook recommendations aren't to be forgotten either. Facebook recommendations can have a really nice visibility in a different way. 
So what happens on Facebook, they used to have a reviews product. It's now called recommendations by Facebook. It acts in essentially the same way as a reviews product. Instead of one to five star, it's, it's binary. It's either I recommend you or I don't recommend you. And then you leave, leave a comment. But when you can get your customers to leave recommendations for you via Facebook, Facebook will, based on their algorithm, distribute that recommendation to all that customer circle of friends. So we, we know a lot of home service businesses work in, in tightly knit geographies. And a lot of people's social networks on, on Facebook are within those tightly knit geographies. If you live in a neighborhood, chances are you're connected with all the neighbors in the neighborhood. So if you can get the neighbor to, or the person you're working for to recommend you on Facebook, there's a good chance that all his neighbors are going to get a notification that says, hey, Tommy just recommended you on Facebook. Without even having to go search, they're getting uh, notifications on that. So Facebook recommendations, also a fantastic channel for, for driving reputation. You know, what about this, Lars? And you're absolutely, I believe, in Facebook a lot. But how do you feel about tagging? the person, because you could basically search them by their email that they give you into your CRM. So if I was to say, I replaced your garage door, did your Christmas lights, or clean your windows, or replace your chimney, and I looked you up on Facebook, and I tagged you, and I said, Lars, thank you so much. Really, really appreciate the chance to come clean your windows. And I tag you in it, and what an amazing home you have. Something that's going to make you really uh, want to share it. Is that something that you you'd recommend or is that just too much of a time suck? It's not that look, that's a lot more work for sure. Yeah. So, so we actually, depending on the photo, I will throw the caveat in there. If you're doing indoor work, don't put someone's inside of their house on Facebook. That's just not cool. But if it's, if it's street appeal, you know, garage door outside of the windows, lawn, landscaping, hardscaping, awesome. Street appeal is fantastic. That's actually one of the things we do with the Nice Job app. Uh, we have the ability to snap pictures of your job sites as soon as you're done, automatically gets shared to your social media networks, and then you can tag your customers in on those posts so that you're obviously benefiting from that networking effect, uh, getting them back onto that post. And then if you ask them to leave a review, that picture that you took of the job get sent to the customer to make the review invite really personal. So right away, they get a picture of the garage door that you just put up, looks gorgeous, ends up on their cell phone via SMS automatically through nice job right away. Customer leaves a review, and that picture gets attached to the review when we share it out to your social media networks. So now you don't ha just have a review on Facebook. You've got a review with a photo of the work, and hopefully the customer tagged in which gives you a really good exposure and engagement. So that's kind of, you know, the holy grail of what you want. Uh, customers coming to your social media pages, they want to see social proof. Not what you say about you, what your customers say about you. So they want to see your reviews and they want to see pictures of your work. So if you can combine pictures of your work with your reviews, uh, super powerful. Yeah, it is. The validation of pictures and videos, I think are just the most important thing. So. You know, there's a million ways to deliver reviews. You know, the, this space, when I was doing it, I would used to write handwritten letters to people. And I'd say, if you send me back a testimonial, I used to carry the testimonials around. And then I started doing videos. And, and I'd use videos way before a video was on your camera. I mean, I'm talking like low pixels, but it looked real because it was real. I'd ask a customer. <laughs> it's so funny because I, I still look at the old ones. And then this thing called Yext came out, and it seems like Yext was the interface that a lot of the people used on the back end, just like Twilio for text messaging. And I know that Service Titan, who's my CRM, has, has built some review stuff, and, and a lot of it's built on the back of, of other platforms. Tell me a little bit about Nice Job, because it sounds like you guys are doing some really cool things, and it's starting to be... When I heard of re review software, I mean, I literally was like, if you look up the date, my best business reviews, I mean, you could look at, what is that called? The uh, Wayback Machine or whatever. I think it was, you know, when I thought of the idea it was 2012 and I had, it was before I started the website, but 
Talk to me a little bit about how Nice Job works and how you automate everything. Because some people aren't familiar that are listening, I'm sure. Yeah. I guess first thing we talked about, you know, you need a system for getting your reviews. You can't leave it to chance. But if you're a typical business owner with crews on the road, creating new systems in your workforce is sometimes quite challenging. Sometimes is always quite challenging. And that's one of the problems that Nice Job solves. It uses technology to create a system. So for example, if you're using Service Titan like Tommy is, will receive events from Service Titan through the Service Titan API. So basically we plug a connector into Service Titan. And when Tommy would finish a job, Service Titan would send us a job event. And that would basically tell NiceJob, hey, Tommy has finished a job for a, a specific client. And at that point, NiceJob would take over. So if Tommy's updating his Service Titan account or his crews are in the field, as soon as they've completed that job, the customer is going to be getting a review invitation on their cell phone, likely before the crews even walked off the job site. Because we're really trying to hit it at peak excitement. That's the time when you know it's, it's a bit of a science in getting reviews. You, you need to ask in the right way at the right time and remove the obstacles. So first thing, you know, right time, we want to get at their peak excitement right when they're at that wow moment. You know, what you did looks amazing. And this is great on top of the world. Let's get them the invite on their cell phone the right way at that right time. So nice job takes care of that in a fully automated fashion. Your crews don't have to worry about it. You don't have to worry about it. It just happens. And then we remove the obstacles for the customer to leave reviews. So we make sure that they don't hit roadblocks like not being logged in. We check where the review is going to benefit you the most. So for example, let's say you're stacking up and killing it on Google reviews. You can start distributing it and getting some Facebook ones as well to supplement that or on other channels. Let's say they've already left your review on one channel. We make sure to, to send them to a different channel so that instead of them overwriting their previous review, which is what happens if the same customer reviews you on Google twice, they leave you a new one on a different channel instead uh, when you use nice job. So we take care of that whole process, that system, so that you never have to worry about it. You literally just press play. It happens. You get more reviews. And we take all that away from you, your crews. You don't have to do anything. The only thing that you can do is snap pictures of your job sites, which automatically then get attached to your reviews. Uh, and that's a huge bonus when you do that. You get 25% more engagement on social media shares. You get a higher conversion rate on your review invites when you do that as well. So that's kind of step one. Step two is we feel that reputation is something that you need to amplify. So you, you get your reviews and you, you can do this yourself too, but we automate it. So you need to take your reviews and use them to drive your sales pipelines or your marketing pipelines. So uh, social media, we all talked about the importance of, of getting social proof onto social media to drive traffic from your social media site. So we automatically take care of all your social media sharing through a nice job. You just turn it on, all your new social proof along with photos automatically end up on your uh, social media sites. And then on your website, so we mentioned at the beginning the importance of conversion rates. Conversion rates go through the roof when you add social proof. Because it's the same psychology as when you're looking at the Google My Business three pack, you're trying to validate your decision based on what other people say. We all do it. We do it with every purchasing decision. Hey, you know, husband or wife, hey, honey, what do you think of this purchase? We're trying to validate our decision based on what other people say. So when we take that social proof and you put that on your website, you can validate the visitor's decisions before they even make the decision. So your conversion rate, how many customers click on call me or, or lead request goes up and therefore you get more sales. So we automate that as well. We get your social proof, your reviews, your photos into a feed directly to your website, delivering the right social proof to the right person at the right time. So that's kind of a nice job in, in a nutshell. Build your reputation, spread it. So the Google used to have this thing that they didn't really care about a long time ago. It was called gating. And what gating means, if 
you'd ask a question, how do we do? Did we do great? Yes or no? No would go to somewhere. Don't leave this online. Tell us how we could do better to leave us some info. Yes would be like spread the good word. That's what's gating. Now, Google hates that. Do you got anything to combat that or how do you guys deal with that? Yeah, we don't gate. Gating's bad. But I know. I, saying yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that one. Actually, just for context, why gating is bad for everyone is because gating helps lousy companies win. True. Um, so if you're a great company and you're doing great work, the only one who wins with gating is lousy companies. <laughs> so, you know, it's bad for all the great companies. I would say how we combat that is if you don't create a system of asking for reviews, you only hear from the vocal minority, just the laws of nature. So your primary reviewers are going to be the vocal minority, which is your negative experiences. That's going to be your, your primary source of reviews. So if you're struggling with getting negative reviews from the vocal minority, you need to enable the non-vocal majority, which is the people who had a great experience but just weren't sharing it beforehand. So the, the solution isn't, isn't gating. The solution is asking. Ask all your customers to leave a review. And as soon as you do that, those one or two of the vocal minority are just simply going to be buried. And consumers are savvy. Even Google's algorithm is savvy. When they see 500 reviews with two one stars and 498 five stars, they know where you lie. Yeah, you're going to get one stars. Look, it's inevitable. You're going to get one stars. I hate to say it because you're yeah. not going to please everybody. Actually, one stars are really good because it teaches you what you can do better on most of the time. Sometimes you're just crazy customers. You know, it's funny that you said ask because I did a presentation today. And uh, nice. my favorite three letters in the world are ask. All you got to do is ask for it. And if you get a chance, I read this book and I shared this book with my staff and I've been talking about it quite a bit because the lessons in it are, it's called go for no. And go for no is just, don't be afraid of a no. You start asking is a great thing, but uh, you know, it's a quick lesson real quick here. My buddy used to meet girls all the time and I'd be like, dude, how the heck do you do it? Then one day I watched him. I actually was like, I'm just going to watch this guy and see what he's doing. And what I noticed is he, he used to get rejected a lot, but he just move along. And the difference is a lot of people are afraid to get rejection or afraid to get no. When people say no, you got to ask why. And then you should have a reason of if you're, you can't afford it, I've got financing. If you don't think you need it, let me show you why. If you don't trust me, then that's a whole different matter. But at least you could isolate the objection. But it's almost like using a muscle, if you ask me. It really is. You start to get this mentality. And some people don't leave. What would you say about rewarding your employees for reviews of good ones? How do you feel about that? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think this plays into the whole hiring situation right now with COVID and how acquiring and retaining employees has been more difficult than ever due to some of the, the financial incentives to not work. Rewarding employees for their work with that feedback creates an employee that's more desirous of going out there and doing a great job again. It's the feedback loop and it's vital. So you're going to elevate morale around the company. You're going to elevate the standards of work and the quality, and you're going to make your employees feel rewarded for doing great work on a job. And that reward can be so much better than a financial one even. Honestly, when uh, team members get the reward in a public-facing review from the client praising their hard work and the company shares that back as an accolade, that makes them feel good, really good. That's motivating. And then they're going out there the next day with a bigger smile on their face and wanting to work harder. So, yeah, huge fan of it. You know, I just asked the guys, I said, I want to hear all your goals. What do you like to do? What do you want to work on? Mind, body, spirit, finance, work, places to go, three things they want to learn. And a piece of advice here is don't always reward people with gift cards and money. If they love to go running, tell them about the shoes, get them a pair of shoes, and here's what will happen. This is from another podcast, but 
every time they're running, they're going to say, hey, that A1 garage door service is pretty cool. They believe in me. Instead of the money, the money comes and goes, but those shoes will last a while. And it's amazing or a tool that they're going to be using for the next year or something that I'll just the other day. I told all my guys, buy your white flowers on me. Give me the receipt. Buy your white flowers. And they all said, why? I said, number one, you're going to go out tomorrow and have the best day you've ever had. <laughs> number two is a happy wife is a happy life. And I just want you guys to think about that when the flowers are sitting there. And a lot of them are out of the guys that did it, which very few did. I'm surprised is they said, man. They thought I did something wrong. I'm like, and you need to buy your wife more flowers. <laughs> you know, I, I got a question for you. So the software is great. Automation is great. There's two questions here. One of them is there's certain competitors out there. They've been around a long time. We don't need to talk about the competition, but necessarily. But is there anything, the differentiators that really, obviously, you guys, you, you seem like you're a, person that listens and you're trying to make things good for companies and give these guys that are good companies a shot to win the game. But are there any things that you would say that, that maybe it's the hands-on approach or maybe you guys are developing cooler things that are a little bit different or why would someone choose to switch or maybe finally get into it when they knew about other products in the past? Yeah, great question. Number one results. So we've, really try to figure out what the numerical results difference is between us and and others because ultimately what's going to reward our customers most is results and currently we're about two times more reviews on a conversion rate basis than the majority of competitors and there's a really simple reason for that we're able to do something that to present uh, the competitors are not doing and that is we match your incoming reviews to your customer records. So this might seem like a simple thing, but it's actually an enormously complex thing. You know, Tommy leaves a review for a nice job on Google, but his uh, Google name is Happy Cowboy 14. So we get that review from Happy Cowboy, but we have no idea who Happy Cowboy is, or let's say no one else does. Uh, nice job does. So we're actually able to match that incoming review straight up with the customer record, which gives us an enormous competitive advantage because it allows us to follow up for reviews in a way that doesn't irritate your customer. So other competing software sends a review request, but they never know when that request is fulfilled because they can't match the incoming review up with the customer record. And the result is they have two options. One, stop sending a request or two, send more requests and irritate intelligently only when the customer has not yet responded. And people forget, you know, honestly, you send a review request via SMS when you're leaving the job site, great, perfect timing, perfect method, but they're busy, the phone's in the pocket, they don't do it. Follow-ups are required, but they have to be done in a way that preserves the customer experience. And that's where we started. Uh, we started with solving that problem, and that solving that problem has led us to a solution that that gets more results, two times more reviews than competing platforms. And the second thing that I say is that the huge differentiator is our focus on reputation marketing, not management. So there was a huge industry for a long time, reputation management. How do we control our reputation, mitigate negative reviews, and maybe understand the statistics around our reputation? very valid. Our focus is how do we promote our reputation? Take our reputation and spread it in a way that drives results so that each one of your customers brings you one more. So everything that we do is sales oriented. So we're not a reputation management company, we're a reputation marketing company. How do we use your reputation to win you more sales? And those are the two biggest differences. More reviews, promoting your reputation more. So there's a question here that, that just pops up. So reviews, you're tracking it to the customer. Is it pretty easy to track that to the technician from that point, depending on Absolutely. your Absolutely. So right now, if you're a beta user, you have employee leaderboard, which gives of your team members. So yes, complete attribution. Okay, so, so the technicians, and how does that look visually? 
it's a tabular leaderboard showing uh, our chart. Uh, no leaderboard like a crm table except for your team members where you've got team members average rating total reviews sortable so now let me ask you this so you've got multiple gmbs in one area do you have a way to control where those reviews go based on the area that's a complicated question that most people don't have to deal with <laughs> so no i get it i get it yeah so depending on what CRM you use, if there's any identifier in the CRM that relates a customer record to a location, yeah. yes. As long as your CRM can relate a specific customer to a specific GMB, no problem. So what we have is we've built completely different for each area. Yeah, so we've built different business units in my yeah. CRM. So what CRMs seem to be the biggest ones that you uh, see? Because look. The more I look at it, there's CRMs coming up everywhere. So let's go through just the biggest ones that you're really integrated into well. Yeah, so House Call Pro and Jobber, they're probably our oldest two uh, in terms of field service software management. Uh, very similar depths of integrations with the two of them. Both support most different events that could happen in the life cycle uh, of a given customer. Yeah, so pretty deep integrations with the two of them. Bidding software, response bid. Uh, yeah, no response yeah. bid. Service Monster, we have an integration with. Field Pulse, we have an integration with. Work is, uh, there's an integration coming out. QuickBooks integration on the payment side, Stripe integration on the payment side. Uh, if you're using uh, customer communications through Intercom, we got Intercom integration coming out very shortly. Of course, we got a full Zapier integration. So anything that connects with Zapier connects with with nice job. Yeah. So uh, and then so yeah, yeah, anything. And then we've got Open API. So. Yep. So Titan kind of came out with their own recently. So I don't know if they want. I don't know if they're gonna cut off that or what. What's the probably? So we, yeah, the service Titan is a little bit of a closed world. We still do integrations with them, but it's on a per company basis so for example you know let's say a1 is going to use nice job which, which of course you are we can uh plug into service titans api and uh, which is very very your events there their api right now is a little bit i was talking to the founders uh last week and, and they're building some other things but what's your largest obligation at least in a corporation is shareholder value in my opinion what Google's focused on is the user experience. And I think that sometimes user experience supersedes because the longer term effect, it's to separate yourself from the middle. So I don't want to comment too much on that, but I think sometimes being the mediator, for example, Amazon Prime has the ability now to get one-time access to your garage if you've got my queue. What does that mean? It means that I put a lot of money in Amazon, even though they're already the largest company because, you know, they bought a little company called Whole Foods. Now they're going to be able to deliver groceries in your garage, one-time use, fresh daily. Their average ticket's going to go through the roof. Freaking ridiculous and genius what's happening right now. And it's happening. I think it's going to be survival the fittest and the, the smartest here very soon. And you're going to watch the rise of super brands like you're seeing. You've got Amazon. You've got Facebook. You've got Google. And unfortunately, I will say this, out of every platform, I think Google does it the best because Google still leaves it up to the brands. They don't try to control the marketplace and try to control the products. You see, I feel like Amazon's trying to be a marketplace. You buy the product and you get a person to fulfill it. Well, people don't understand in the home service space, the product is the markup a lot of the times. Like I could buy soap and water anywhere. So I got to mark up the labor quite a bit and differentiate myself. And these other businesses are trying to commoditize it. And I just, it's worrisome for some people. I'm gonna ask you, anyway, I gotta tell you, first of all, I love your product. I think it's awesome. I love what you're doing. One of the question was, <laughs> what CRM would you recommend for a one man show just starting out? You know, I know it depends on the, uh, I'd say it really depends on the niche because that's that's a loaded question, but there's a lot of them to look at out there and there's no wrong answer it really is on 
certain ways you get your customers. What I'd really look at is to make sure you could track your marketing well. There's good API built so you could integrate into other software such as QuickBooks and that they've got a tried and true record. And I'd probably talk to some of their staff, more testimonials. But I wanted to ask you, I always ask this question. If you had three books to recommend, maybe something that influenced you in the past, uh, are there three books that pop out to you? And sorry for going over. <laughs> no, no, that's not a problem. Uh, just, just tack on to the one CRM you'd recommend. Tommy mentioned uh, integrations. If you're a one-man show and you're starting off and you're choosing a CRM, yeah, I would highly recommend don't choose the closed-walled castle. Choose something that can connect to other companies and promotes those integrations. And the reason being is because you're going to grow and you're going to need best of breed software as you grow and you need to be able to connect to those other software platforms and if you're in a closed castle then you know it's going to result in frustrations my feeling at least on the matter yeah um, yeah three books democracy by seth godden i think is is a great one it's marketing done right i think realigns us from what marketing is normally viewed as and what marketing should be it should be that we're out there to provide a positive change in the understanding or opinions of somebody else and yeah by reevaluating how we're marketing so that we're marketing to provide a contribution rather than to take money actually results in us making more money so yeah reevaluating how we're doing marketing phenocracy seth godden great book this is actually one I just read a couple of weeks ago. The Henry Ford story, My Life and My Work. I don't know if you've read that. A fascinating no. book about Henry Ford. Yeah, really interesting. You know, this was written back in, I think it was written in the 20s. But yeah, I found it super interesting. And then, you know, probably for anyone who's starting, if you haven't read the E-Myth. Ah, they knew it. E-Myth Revisited. Yeah, you got to have that on the list. You know, um, Henry Ford, interestingly enough, is he created competition. He walked out on the floor of the Model T assembly line, which is genius, and that's what I'm trying to create, is a rifle shot of each job that they're not relying on wearing a bunch of hats. Is uh, He wrote a seven one day for the morning shift, and the day shift come on, and he had, they asked what it was, and he wrote an eight, and then the night shift came on, and he wrote a nine. Then the next morning, the guys did 10, and by creating competition, he figured out a way to really enhance the output of his team. And it's amazing that the, the want to be number one, aspire to be number one in, in the human being aspect. So great books. If someone wants to reach out to you personally, then we'll talk about nice job. What's the best way to do that? Yeah. Lars at nicejob.co. Really easy. Yeah. And if nice job, it's nicejob.co. If you want to reach out to nice job, Actually, we, we had a chat with Frank Bork in, in the, the landscaping industry a couple of weeks back, and, and we came up with a little idea just kind of impromptu on the chat, but it went really well, so I'll, I'll offer it here too. Uh, if anyone doesn't have 20 Google reviews yet, you know, you're starting out, you're trying to get the ball rolling, and you just you don't even have a small critical mass yet, give us a shout, and we'll take care of you for free until you have that just on us. We want to help small businesses that are starting out so, you know, if you're 20 Google reviews or under, just give us a shout and we'll, we'll make sure you're taken care of until you have at least that number. If you want to stick with us and say, hey, great. If not, no worries. All good. We just want to help out as you start growing there. That's a great offer. You know, if you guys get a chance, another great book is called The Consistency Chain. And it talks about being consistent. And I'm in the middle with a trainer of working out. And the fact is, I'm not going to see extreme results for at least 90 days, and they're not going to be that extreme. It'll be to where you can start noticing yourself, but you don't start seeing algorithmic change until you leave something working for a long time. So hopefully, you get used in it, you love it, and you get a lot of results. The last thing I do, Lars, is kind of leave the floor to you. Maybe we didn't discuss something. Maybe there's something mind-blowing that we should have talked about. Maybe... You just have something to get in action today and get started with. But I'll leave you here to close this out, take as much time as you'd like. Yeah. So I, I think that the two that if I would say to take away from this, one, invest in your customer. So 
We spend all this time and effort thinking about how we can invest in our marketing and our advertising, which is great. You know, that brings leads to the table. But if we invest in our customer, that can be the number one growth driver for a service business. Because when we create exceptional experiences for them, they tell others. And if every one of your customers can just tell one more person about your company, well, you've created growth that you're you're not going to come even close to creating through LSA or Google Ads. So invest in your customer. Sit down with your team. Think about what kind of experiences am I creating for my customer right now? And how do I add an extra star to that? You know, if I feel like I'm creating a five-star experience, how do I make a six-star experience? How do I make a seven-star experience? What does that look like for my customer? And then plan how you can create that. And then the second one is don't leave reviews to chance. You know, if you use a software like NiceJob, great. If you plan on creating a system in your company, great. But don't leave it to chance. If you leave it to chance, you're going to hear from the vocal minority, which is going to be your negative reviews, and nobody will know about the amazing work that you do. So create a system, implement the system, run the system, and we really hope that companies that do great work invest in their customers win. So uh, yeah, I think that's my, my closing comments, Tommy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you. If you guys get a chance, look at the net promoter score. I think you'll learn a lot more about how huge corporations invest in what customers think about them. It's a great thing to uh, look at and research yourself. Lars. Thanks, Tony. Thank you, guys. Thanks for watching, guys. Appreciate you. Hey, guys. I just wanted to thank you real quick for listening to the podcast. From the bottom of my heart, it means a lot to me. And I hope you're getting as much as I am out of this podcast. Our goal is to enrich your lives and enrich your businesses and your internal customers, which is your staff. And if you get a chance, please, please, please subscribe. You're going to find out all the new podcasts. You're going to be able to ask me questions to ask the next guest coming on. And and do me a quick favor. Leave a quick review. It really helps us out when you like the podcast and you leave a review. Make it four or five sentences. Tell us how we're doing. And I just wanted to mention real quick, we started a membership. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. You get a ton of inside look at what we're going to do to become a billion dollar company. And uh, we're just, we're, we're, we're telling everybody our secrets basically. And people say, why do you give your secrets away all the time? And I'm like, you know, the hardest part about giving away my secrets is actually trying to get people to do them. So we also create a lot of accountability within this program. So check it out. It's homeservicemillionaire.com forward slash club. It's cheap. It's a monthly payment. I'm not making any money on it, to be completely frank with you guys, but I think it will enrich your lives even further. So thank you once again for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it.